Hello and welcome to the More Than Mostly Comedy Podcast yes. once again. Or for the first time. Grab your chair, sit down, make yourself comfortable. Um, open your drink, open it. I, don't, I presume I can. I'm not really, I don't, don't really know where I'm going with this. But like you said, yeah, or hello if you've never been here before. Um, yeah. It's lovely to have you with us. And, and this is the Jan Ravens episode. It is indeed. Um, and I'm Glyn Doggett and oh, with me is David F. Grave. That's me. I'm David with, with F. Me. That's me, with you, with you in a sort of online sense. Not actually Yeah, because we're not, yeah. I prefer yeah, this really together, I prefer we? when we're not in the same room. It's just, you know. You just, I, I'm so used to seeing a one-dimensional version of you on screen now that I, <laughs> yeah. it'd be weird to see you in real life. When again, I turn around, like, fucking hell, it's three-dimensional. He's got a back. Yeah. I'm not flat <laughs> Stanley. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just had a, a very nice chat with uh, the wonderful Jan Ravens, and, and I really think she's wonderful. She's multi-talented, very nice. Um works with just the best people as well you know just the, the perfect combination really i think yeah absolutely and we had her uh, at our club mostly comedy back in oh 2018 i think it was yeah it was or, yeah. yeah um just before she went to edinburgh with rory bremner and we we say this in the interview but she is such a great performer and obviously mm. the she's the impressions are fantastic but her her sort of the energy that mm. she has and the way that she puts across the characters physically as well as just with the voice mm. that it's it's so great to watch and we talk about that a bit in in the interview so yeah but it absolutely is like a sort of burst of energy isn't it and, yeah and, and it's sort of funny as well because it was a, a funny booking because we'd had rory bremner mostly before and then he was mm. obviously doing the show in edinburgh with jan so it, it sort of we ended up booking it through rory and and seeing jan through that and it was so it was lovely to sort of get her as a, a bonus yeah. extra that we weren't expecting yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was, it was a lovely show. I went to see it in Edinburgh as well, so it's interesting to see the difference between the preview and the final show. But anyway, yeah. uh, we're really here to listen to the Jan Ravens interview. So, as I say, you've got your drink open, you're sat on your chair, you put your feet back, back, I don't know, sort of back. forward, but you leave. <laughs> I just listen to the interview. So, we're here again uh, in an online setting with the fantastic Jan Ravens. Hello, Jan. How are you doing? Hello. Hello, Glenn. Hello, David. Hello, people. How are you? It's nice, nice to be with you. It's nice to be with people. Yeah, it's nice to be talking <sighs> to someone else rather than just yeah. yourself. You know, um, I know. Even virtually, it's nice. Yeah. How have you been uh, coping with the whole lockdown scenario? Obviously, it's eased a little bit now, but yeah, uh, I've I've been quite domestic. I mean, I I, I have been meaning to be creative all the time, mm -hmm. and in fact, my sons for my birthday bought me uh, this thing called a masterclass where, uh, you know, you can have sort of like film directing lessons with Ron Howard oh, and wow. singing lessons with Christina Aguilera. Amazing. Um, <laughs> but I just keep thinking, I think I'll just put another wash on. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I just, yeah. you know, I simply can't be domestic enough. It's, I mean, I started off because, um, you know, of course, the cleaners didn't come in. Um, so I was obliged to, you know, run the hoover around and start mm. disinfecting everything. So, I mean, it was, you know, that that took up a good deal of time, I can tell you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I didn't really get creative at all. And then I did a few sort of like poetry things and Shakespeare things, you know, that people asked me to do online, which was really nice. Right. You know, like for charities and things. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that was nice. But, um, and we've started doing Dead Ringers now, of course you know, in isolation. Are you doing that from home then, or do you go in? Or... Well, I'm not doing it from home because I'm actually a complete technophobe. And this, for me, is um, is quite challenging. Yeah. Uh, but my son, Louis, uh, is now here with me. Um, 
and so he's sort of you know calmed me down mm -hmm. um but uh no i actually go to a studio in hoban with the guy that's running it the, the studio manager technical manager guy and i wow. go into his studio in hoban john colshaw's in a studio in uh, liverpool because he's mm -hmm. he's got a house in ormskirk mm -hmm. and um and all the others have got you know those horrible sort of you know swathed in duvet kind of pods <laughs> that you yeah. see which right. i have tried to construct here actually yeah but oh god you know i was like heaving sort of coat racks and blankets around <laughs> the house and you yeah. know yeah. alfie my son came around and said mum what are you doing i mean it looked at was about i was about to read people's fortunes or something you know <laughs> i had this kind of tent in yeah. the middle of the hall but um yes i'm still a bit uh I'm still a bit scared of doing, you know, doing a voiceover and having people, you know, having to kind of be in charge of the tech. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. And there's also the pressure, I suppose, of then, because you record it all and then send it through and they go, no, it's not good enough. You'd be like, oh, fuck it. You'd have to go through it all again. It's just a I know. Massive and I did all kinds of voice tests. Like I constructed all these pods of duvets and blankets mm. and coat racks and things. Mm. And um, I had about two different alternatives of those. And then in the end, Alfie said, look, why don't you just try this? So we had me sitting on the bed just with the duvet over my head. <laughs> and that was the one they went for. Excellent. Wow. But I mean, bloody hell, you wouldn't want to do an audio book. No. no. It sounds like you're, you're living the dream. You're living the showbiz dream, doing voiceovers under a duvet oh. at home. It's amazing. Mm. I mean, I, I, I've seen all these people on Twitter, like um, Craig Cash, you know, is posting photographs of himself doing the... Um, voiceover for Gogglebox and he's kind of right. you know sort of going to the camera <laughs> pouring with sweat yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I've seen that yeah duvets like just like this close to him and I mean that's a long you know yeah. that's not a quick you know no, exactly. creamy smooth lemon fresh kind of end line is it it's <laughs> no. a big load of old you know in yeah. Manchester, you know, yeah. all those things. As long as it. I saw a big, there was a big Hollywood actor talking on Graham Norton, I can't remember who it was now, and he was showing his setup, and his was just a cupboard. And I thought for someone of his kind of, you know, mm. pay scale, I would have thought he would have been able to afford a studio because he, he was huge. Yeah. I can't remember who it yeah. was now. But it, it was literally a cupboard with bedding in it. And I thought, well, I think actually they make a lot of fuss about it because I did. Um, I got asked to do a line as Theresa May once for the old Vic for a play about um, the murder of uh, Litvinenko, was it? And the Russian guy that was murdered in Itsu. Mm. And, um, and, and they said, we just want a couple of lines as Theresa May. And it was something like, at this point, the Home Office is unable to help you. Um, we are very sorry to say, or something. It was, very, it was, very, um, it was a bit more than that. Mm. And I basically put my head in the wardrobe um you know you had do. like things hanging up put my head in the wardrobe and um sort of had my voice you know my voice message thing on my phone yeah. and i recorded it and i went to see the play and it was in the old vic theater which has got the most amazing sound system yeah. and um and this line came up and it was a really dramatic point because litman yenka's widow saying so I went to the Home Office and the Home Office, you know, was at the time Theresa May was Home Secretary and this is what she said to me. And this mm. voice comes out. <laughs> it sounded amazing. Really, right. So it's the answer. That's all you need to do these days. We don't yeah. really have to go back to work. That's the thing. I, I worry about the studios, though. I worry about all well, the studios. Yeah. What are they going to do? Yeah. Well, it's like venues and everything, isn't it? Theatres, it's all, oh. it's all in, you know, up in the air. Anyway, let's not go down that bloody rabbit hole. No. Otherwise, we'll no. have to start weeping and, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. bemoaning our lost <laughs> careers. Um, <laughs> there was a question I wanted to ask you. I was having a look at your IMDb um, listing. And it said on there that you voiced an uncredited goblin in Labyrinth. 
Was that true? And if so, can you remember anything about it? No. Absolutely <laughs> not a thing. Okay. Oh, that was okay. No. But I wish I did remember it, though, if I, if I did do it. That's about four pages of questions I was going to That's ask. That's it, we've got nothing else. We were just going to talk lots about David Bowie and Labyrinth. That was yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> but also I saw, like you were saying about doing the Theresa May uh, thing, um, that you also voiced Thatcher in Are You Being Served? Um, is that yeah, true? I mean, I don't know what that was either. It was just like, you know, oh, hello, you know, Mr. Grace. What a, you know, what a marvellous department. So, yeah, that was one of those things where repeat fees kept coming in for the... Hmm. BBC for, you know, 79p, you know, for yeah. some years afterwards, <laughs> one line as Thatcher and are you being served? <laughs> so do, do you find yourself sort of regularly being asked to do those sort of things, you know, little um, voiceovers for people like that in things? I guess it opens up. Well, it's work. weird, actually, because I did get asked to do one the other day um, as the Queen. Right. And it was for a documentary about the Queen. Right. That's and I said, so... You, you, this isn't a kind of, you know, a funny version of the Queen, like, you know, um, mm. you know, at this time of year, my husband and I like to tour the common way. And it wasn't wasn't mm. like, you know, the funny version. Mm. And, and so they said, oh, no, will you do a couple of tests? So I went and did a couple of tests mm. under the duvet. And um, and they said, no, no, no they, they say it doesn't sound real enough. And I said, well, you know, to be honest, if you're doing a documentary about the Queen, it is, you know, it's, it's tantamount to treason, isn't it? To kind yeah. of try and pass somebody off as her. Yeah, it's very misleading, um, isn't it? You know, it? and a bit of voiceover in the middle of it. I mean, I thought it was yeah. a bit dodgy, to be perfectly honest. You, you kind of yeah. wonder what sort of documentary they're making if they're not using actual Well, it's probably, the... you know, it's probably something for Channel 5 called, you know, say, when yeah. royal visits go horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, with everyone but anyone close to her at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did do one of those, actually, <laughs> and, and it was my first job of this year, and I was very thrilled about it because it was called When All-Inclusive Holidays Go Horribly Wrong. I just sort of thought, you know, well, this is a very particular yeah. niche subject. That's, that's not a title, is it? That's like a, a blurb. <laughs> so, oh, my God. And the they were horrific in. stories as well. It was terrible. Anyway. Right. Um, well, I mean, the inevitable question is, how did you start out uh, as an impressionist? Were you doing impressions when you were younger? Was it, or how did it begin for you? Uh, well, I, 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 did, I did do impressions when I was younger. Um, I used to do impressions of my mum. Um, and my mum sort of, uh, we're, we're from the Northwest, so my mum sounded a bit kind of, you know, hyacinth bouquet. So my mum had lots of very choice phrases, like um, if she thought somebody was rather um, overly experienced and enthusiastic in the bed department, she'd say, oh, I bet she's a bundle of joy in a bunk. And um, <laughs> if she thought somebody had like a grumpy face, she'd say, a face like a fried shoe. <laughs> and um, my favourite one was if she thought somebody was being too boastful about the achievements of their children, she'd sort of say, uh, well, you know, Jean Parry, Barbara, all her geese are swans. Um, <laughs> so I started off doing her and then I went on to do the teachers at school and then the teachers at school would all ask to see the impressions of the other teachers and quite often them, they themselves. But I mean, I never thought, I, you know, oh, this is brilliant. I'm going to have a career as an impressionist. Because yeah, um, yeah. I was brought up in this town called Hoylake on the Wirral, um, where uh, Glenda Jackson was from. Glenda Jackson was very successful at the time. So Glenda Jackson, you know, was like my role model, you know, because she was right. in like Elizabeth R and she was in a touch mm. of class and she had that marvellous voice, you know. <laughs> that was, yes. um, and uh, so I really wanted to be Glenda Jackson. Right. Um, but then uh, I went to teacher training college in Cambridge and didn't go to drama school. And got into the whole Footlights thing and then so got into comedy sort of 
you know, took to, you know, the road less traveled from sort of theatre, went into the sort of comedy side. But I still didn't kind of think, um, well, now here's, you know, so here's a career beckoning in funny voices. And it wasn't really till I did, um, I did, I did a show called Carrots Lib with Jasper Carrot in uh, 1983. And I did um, an agony aunt called Claire Rayner. I was very breathless, very and um i uh, i only later discovered that the reason she spoke like that was that she had emphysema oh okay but anyway she she took she, I, I met her and she really liked it she took it all in very good heart right. uh, crap lungs but very good heart <laughs> and um so i did her and i did um a couple of other impressions so then i got asked to do spitting image right. as, as the result of that and so then you're like oh well, you're an impressionist now Hmm. that'll oh, okay. do we've got you we know who you are is that so spend... i was gonna say is that sometimes the thing that you feel you need to work against or does it frustrate yeah. you yeah. yeah yeah because i think people um people are becoming more um sort of open to casting comedians in hmm. dramas but i think they're still quite reticent about casting um impressionists and i don't know if that's because impressionists you sort of, because you're sort of an outsider, you're sort of on the outside looking in and kind of mm. taking the piss and maybe people are a bit sort of intimidated by that sometimes, I'm not right. sure. Mm. I mean, it's, especially as a woman, it's, it's kind of not quite nice to be constantly sort of taking the piss. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I have tried to, and, and actually when lockdown happened, much to my sorrow, I was actually doing at Watford Palace Theatre, not a million miles from you. No, yeah. yeah. Um, I was doing uh, Talking Heads. Oh, I saw you were doing uh, that, yeah. Two of the Alan Bennett monologues. So I did Lady of Letters and Soldiering On. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I was always meant to do. You know, oh, I mean, I'm yeah. Northern, I'm, 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 you know, comic. I'm, you know, I, I've, I, I can feel these women, you know, and I just... Mm so sort of enmeshed with them and was loving it and then 10 mm. days into the run got taken off right and so then you'd actually what started happens... you'd started the actual run yeah okay then what happens <laughs> old madam gets in imelda staunton yeah, oh, thank you very I much i saw that yeah i saw yeah oh. harriet walter doing <laughs> so you know i mean mm. my god if you can get Imelda Staunton, why wouldn't you? But yeah, it was quite sort of, they were yeah. mine for a minute. You've just so. been doing it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, 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 it was really sad. Anyway, I mean, they, they do want to bring it back, but, you know, God knows when mm-hmm. it's going to open. So anyway, yeah, that's the trouble, isn't it? No, no it's theatre, no, but do yes, you, yeah. Do you uh, find when you approach an impression, is it similar to how you approach a character in an acting role or do or are they very different? Because obviously it's, you know, you're using someone's specific traits, but do, is it a similar thing or does it use a different part of your brain? Think? Well, if you're if you're doing um, an impression for a sketch, yes, it is a, a different sort of process, I guess, um, in some senses, because you do, you know, the, 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 you're judged on various things I and mean, you're judged on, you know, is it funny? Is your timing right? All that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you're also how ac- how much like them are you? Yeah, yeah. And that's why really doing them on radio is quite good, because um because you haven't got that thing of like, oh, well, it doesn't look very much like Anne Whittaker, yeah, or you don't yeah. look very much like, you know, Amy Winehouse or whoever it is mm. you're doing, you know. And um, so, so the with the radio, you can create the picture. Yeah, yeah. And I think actually people also do like it on stage, because on stage, if you, um, 
you know, you stand there and, and you you move, you know, so mm. so one minute you'll be you'll be able to read a May and you're, you know, you're tensed up and you're, you know, um talking in this <laughs> diplophonic voice and you're you know you're, you're you're like that. And then the next um the next minute you're you know you're Christy Warwick and you, you know you scumbag, you mag you cheap thousand faggot, you know, more of that story later. <laughs> and you know, so you're sort of and you know, you, I think people like seeing you move from one to the other and go, oh my God, you know, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. a kind of, that's a good trick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, I mean, the best ones, I think, uh, although you're kind of approaching it for kind of, how does she say that vowel sound? You know, because when I'm doing least du set or somebody like that, you know, the <laughs> vowel sounds are so bizarre mm -hmm. that, you know, if I'm doing a, a least du set, sketch I, I i literally go through it and sort of notate each vowel sound as to how it changes and mm. often with a new voice i'll do that as well so how they say that that vowel sound or that consonant yeah. and i'll sort of notate it like that yeah um so so obviously it is a technical thing and, and all the different characters have a have a tune like sandy toxic you know just goes up and down like a sort of just gone sort of yeah so it was on a sort of one of those things but um, but also I think the most effective ones have a character, you know, and right. it, it is something to do with not not just with how they appear, because obviously an impression it's a sort of satirical thing. You're you're presenting how that you're presenting a version of yeah. how that character presents themselves to the world. Right. You're not doing what an actor does, which is looking from the inside out and yeah. seeing how, yeah. how does this all feel for me hmm. but I think you know when you capture the real spirit of a character um like with you know and some impressions you do and some you don't um and I felt that that sort of um you know maybe like with Theresa May that that's hmm. sort of what I you know because the, because the sort of the soul of that character was this held tense person and that's <laughs> sort of what people um sort of latched onto yeah. and um uh, and um, another one that I really like, that I love the sort of spirit of, which was ages ago now, was um, Ellen MacArthur, the Round the World Yachts Woman. You don't know, do you remember? And you're going, yeah, I've, yeah. Got oh, yeah. go, I've got to go up the mast and bend the sail. <laughs> Just don't know what I'm going to do. It's really stormy and my hands are all sore. <laughs> <laughs> let everybody down. Yeah. And, um, you know, we used to do her sort of doing her washing, you know, going, put some red knickers in with the white t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I let everybody down, I don't know what to do. And it was just that, I mean, I was sort of like so admiring of her because there she was, you know, in the Southern Ocean, just yeah. her. Yeah. And it was, it was like, you know, literally feel the fear and do it anyway. I mean, yeah. she, it wasn't yeah, that yeah. she wasn't scared. She yeah. was absolutely shit scared, <laughs> but yeah. she was still doing it. And I thought, yeah. my God, God, she's amazing. Yeah. And, um, and that sort of little, little voice going, feeling that she'd let everybody down. Um, I just loved her. Hmm. And, um, and actually I heard Steve Coogan talking the other day um, on a, a program with Frank Cottrell Voice. I think it was something understood. It's on your BBC Sounds app. Hmm. And, um, and he was talking about how, and he was doing Oliver Postgate you know, right. the uh, uh, Ivor the Engine and all that. And he was yeah. doing these voices and saying how there are some voices that give you a sort of, they're just lovely to do because they mm. make you feel lovely. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like um, Penelope Wilton, 
because you know whatever Penelope Wilton says you know I found a pube in the shower you know I know it sounds horrible but it's um, actually lovely when I say it you know, there's just something so lovely and comforting about Penelope Wilton yeah. or Thora Heard you know God bless loves oh you know it's just like putting on a comfy cardigan and they just make you feel lovely and it's yeah. nice to kind of have a go of them you know yeah. because they yeah. they give you a lovely feeling do you feel you have to like the person generally to do an impression of them or, or do, is it, does it matter at all, do you think? No, you don't have to like them. That, no, yeah. that, would, that would rather limit you, yeah, but to yeah, be honest. True. Um, but it's nice when you do, is the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. With um, someone, I mean, we're saying about doing it on stage and people seeing the physicality of it. Do you feel like when you're doing it on TV, like Theresa May, for example, and having to wear a wig and dress up, does that feel like it, does it restrict you or does it help with the character that you're doing because I've, I've, we've seen you live and when you do kind of inhabit the character without any makeup or anything else yeah. so having to add that does that help or do you find that a bit kind of annoying sometimes well as i say um it, it's it's great fun i mean we did dead ringers on the telly for about seven years i think mm. um in the 2000 to 2007 i think and and it was great fun dressing yeah. up yeah. You know, it was yeah. great fun. I mean, it was very laborious right. because, um, you know, in order to do Fiona Bruce, you know, I had to have my own eyebrows blanked out, new <laughs> eyebrows drawn, drawn in, you know, here I am, eyebrow cocked oh, and yeah. ready. Yeah. And um, don't think you're getting into my bubble. Um, and uh, yeah, so so you'd be an hour in makeup just sort of mm. staring at yourself. And um, and then, you know, you'd go on, go on to the set and do the sketch and that would you'd probably knock it off in ten minutes, yeah, and then right. you'd be back in the makeup chair. So it was, you know, it, it, what, and sometimes these bloody prosthetics, which is a you know, yeah, yeah. nightmare of, mm. um, yeah, I hated the prosthetics, but um, it, 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 it it's fun. Uh, it's like oh my, you know, because it does give you a bit of a, if you do get to look like them, yeah. Um, I mean, doing all the Fiona Bruce, all these stupid Fiona Bruce things I used to do of her oh, on great. Crime Watch, sort of, you know, posing on the desk. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, th there were some really fun um, things to do. Um, but actually, it's more freeing not to. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, doing the radio and actually, as you say, the stage, I think, is, is the best. There's nothing mm. better than being in a theatre and, um, and giving people a good time. Yeah, it's yeah. just the best yeah. as you know it's just yeah. the best feeling and yeah. i suppose a bit like doing the voices on the radio you get to let them do some of the work do you know what i mean yes. to see, see the characters yes. a bit more fun their imagination yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it says on um various things i've read online but you started as a producer as a comedy producer was that or did i say start yeah. was that after footlights then did kind of yeah it was it was because of footlights really oh, okay. um because um well, when I was at Cambridge, I, I acted and was in the Footlights Reviews and I also directed things. Oh, and right. I, um, I directed um, a show that I'd written and I directed um, the Gilbert and Sullivan, um, the University Gilbert and Sullivan, um, HMS Pinafore, which I did oh, like right. sort of on the town, you know, like the sort of Gene right. Kelly film. And I directed oh. it to look like that. And the sailors were dancing with mops and it was great fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, and then uh, I left Cambridge and uh, then Hugh Laurie, who was the um, president the following year, asked me to go back and direct the Footlights Review the following year, for which he and Stephen were the main writers. Right. And um, Emma Thompson was also in it and Tony Slattery. And wow. it was, um, 
and it won the first Perrier Award. Right. And oh, so that's few, one hell of a cast as well. Yeah. Amazing cast to be yeah. working with. Yeah. yeah. So a few months before that, I'd applied for a job as a BBC comedy producer in radio, which was a sort of very well-trodden path for, um, for the guys. So there yeah. was like, you know, John Lloyd and Jeffrey Perkins and Griff Reese Jones and Jimmy Mulville, who'd all, um, you know, trodden this path of Oxbridge BBC. Hmm. But um, I, um, I applied and I, I, I didn't get the job um, that time round. But then they came to see this show, the Sellotapes that won the Perrier. And so then they offered me a job as a comedy producer. Right. But I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> for, for what I wasn't very good. I wasn't very good at being sort of, you know, I didn't really like the routine. I didn't really like turning up at the office every day and having to fill in a PSB form and all that right. palaver, you know, it was like... Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and and I think I was quite, it was quite young to be the person with whom the buck stopped. Right. You know, it was like 22 mm. or something. Right, yeah. And the first woman producer in the comedy department. So, wow. and I'd already been the first woman president of Footlights and the first woman to direct the Footlights Review. And, mm. and it was kind of great, but actually it was just so stressful because I just was thinking, if I fuck this up, they're never going to ask another one. Yeah. <laughs> which is just the most ridiculous situation Crazy. to be in. Did, yeah. did it well, feel yeah. like an issue at the time, you being the first Yeah, one? yeah. Oh, God, yeah, big time. I mean, it was... Um, I mean, the BBC, when I joined the BBC, I mean, it was like, you know, when you went to the bar, it was like being in a golf club or something. You were like, hello, oh, boy. Right. Oh, I don't know. Is it gin and tonic? Oh, gin and tonic. You know, this mm. is Jock. You know, this is Bobby. And, you know, it's all marvellous. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they were literally sort of twirling their moustaches. I mean, it was it was quite, it was another world. Yeah. Absolutely another world. Was that before kind of people like French and Saunders and that yeah. they sort of came along? So it was, wow, so it really yeah. was just male. Yeah, I mean, Victoria Wood was, was, um, was just, in fact, Victoria Wood came and played a gig in the Footlights Club Room, which was this dank cellar right. in the bottom of a building in... in um, Cambridge and uh you know about 20 people turned up <laughs> and uh but amazing I imagine it was it, it was it was amazing I mean it wasn't it wasn't as amazing as she you know turned out to be but I mean it, it was uh you know yeah it was really funny it was really funny I mean she was doing Matt's life I think at, at the time right yeah it was about that time so yeah early mm. late 70s early 80s I'm very old <laughs> But um, I mean, also, I, I love your impression of Victoria Wood and the, the thing where you sing that song yeah. about essentially oh, about song, what it's like to lose yeah. it. It's just beautiful, really, yeah. really lovely. So good. You yeah. bring it to life. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to do the song now, but you, the song is on YouTube, yeah. the yeah, Victoria yeah. Wood song. And uh, I mean, it's both a tribute to Victoria and a sort of parody of her written by my first ex-husband <laughs> and um, Steve Brown. And he is the most brilliant lyricist I mean because a lot of the jokes are almost as good as Victoria Woods you know right. it's like a joker yeah. line yeah and uh but really kind of heartfelt because you know there will never be another and mm -hmm. uh, she was she was amazing yeah absolutely amazing a message on the chat from Joe sir comedy and impressions are far harder than drama I'd cast you as a tragic heroine like a shot with comedy asides oh that's so nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And she also says, chaps, can you imagine how weird it is for ultra-talented women like Jan being the first to do anything? And we're still young. You are still young, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what, 
what led you back to performing then? Was it the sense that the producer thing wasn't quite what you wanted to do or was it just the job came up or? or... Yeah, I mean, I think I'd always, I'd always wanted to, um, I mean, I'd always wanted to perform and um, I'd always wanted to, uh, to act. So, I, I mean, the, the producing thing was the, was the opportunity that came up at the time. And like I say, I didn't, I found I wasn't that suited to the sort of administration of it. Right, yeah. um, and and, and I, I just wanted to I wanted to perform and I, I, I'm you know I am a natural performer and a communicator I'm, I'm not yeah. a natural administrator yeah uh, at all and uh, and so yeah I think there were a couple of opportunities came up and actually I um, I had already formed uh, another sort of sketch group with Sandy Toxvig and Bridget Lama, who runs the Watford Palace Theatre, where I've been right. talking heads. And, um, and we formed this group called Flying Ducks, and we did, you know, some gigs and did a little, you know, talk. I actually remember any of the gigs that we did now. Right. But I, remember, I do remember we had some, some um, headed notepaper with three flying ducks on it, <laughs> which was, I mean, you know, that's how sort of, you know. It's official. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, how, what, what were we doing with headed notepaper anyway? Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so so I did. I had already sort of dipped a toe in the water, and then I spoke to um, an agent, um, Vivian Claw, who at the time was David Jason's agent, and I'd worked with David Jason on um, Weekending, um, a topical news program that was a sort of precursor to Dead Ringers, really. Right. Um, and um, and I said, you know, I don't know what I want to perform, but you know, I need to get an agent, and she said, oh, I'll be your agent. Right. Because she'd seen me do the warm up on the sort of live comedy things at the radio theatre, right. so she said, "Oh, I'll be your agent." So that was that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I always love uh, about what you do is your energy is just fantastic, and I think that's particularly uh, visible when you do like a sh- when you see you live. And I just think that's great. The sort. So I can see why you wanted to go back to performance because it just seems like a natural thing yeah. for you yeah, yeah. it's it's such it's such a kind i mean you feed so much off it sounds so wanky but i mean you do feed so much off an audience and you know mm. once um once an audience start laughing you know once you sort of gain their confidence at the beginning yeah. it's you know it's just such a lovely ride it's just so um like, you're not supposed to say that anymore are you <laughs> it's a great <laughs> ride um <laughs> but uh yeah it is it's um it's just a joy so yeah well thank you anyway um you're welcome um do do you <laughs> feel did you prefer being like a collaborator like working with people like sandy or working as a group or do you do you prefer working on your own was it a big jump to working on your own or did it just sort of come um through? i i do like working with people and i don't you know i i've never written all my own material right uh i I'm not, I, I think partly because of starting out with people like Stephen and Hugh, hmm. um, it didn't seem to hold Emma back, mind you, but uh, <laughs> I, I always felt a bit sort of reticent about, you know, whether I could write funny stuff. And I, and I, I, I have written a lot, but I, I always feel I can't do it on my own. So, right. um, so yes, yeah, so I collaborate or I, what I quite often do is I say, let's do a sketch where this happens and that happens. And the, you know, this is the concept and the characters like that. Yeah. Now you write it. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and quite a lot of the characters in Dead Ringers kind of came up like that, like the Fiona Bruce one and hmm. um, things like the Kirsty Allsop character, you know, on location, location, location. And um, 
all those things. So I, yeah, I, I love, I love collaborating because I'm a sort of social animal. I'm not, yeah. and you know, quite frequently, you know, people said, you know, you should write, you should write a book, you should, you know, da, 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 da. And I think, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the solitariness of mm. writing. I mean, I know even writers, you know, find that hard. I mean, I don't know a writer that finds writing easy. No, no, exactly. You know, all writers find writing hard. And I think maybe I'm just, I haven't got the, just haven't got that sort of discipline or that sort of temperament maybe to, to I, maybe it'll come as I get older and pipe mm. down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that when you were starting out, it was that you, because all the people that you mentioned, all the people you were working with, they're all just, you know, fantastic performers, you know, from David Jason to Brian Laurie to all those sort of things. It's like it's almost like there was something in the water in like Cambridge and Oxford at the time. Do you mm. think that it was? Just, I mean, it's very hard to say because I think we look at it. You know, I, these are the people that I watched as I was growing up, and maybe yeah. you want yeah. to do yeah. comedy. So maybe I look at it and go, "Oh, these are like very, very special people." Do you think it was a particularly special group of people around you, or was it just the opportunity that you were given that allowed you to flourish? Or um, it's a, not really well, it's an awkward question yeah, to answer, I, mean, I suppose. Um... David Jason, it has to be said, wasn't Cambridge. He's a no, he, no, David no, Jason yeah. was an electrician who became an actor, but oh, yeah, uh, you know, incredibly talented yeah. comic performer, obviously. Mm. But yeah. um, but I think at Cambridge, you know, I mean, it's, it's so many. You know, all these people had, you know, a lot of talent and a lot of opportunity, mm. um, and a lot of opportunity to practice. Um, because the footlights, you know, was kind of funded, you know, it sort of, mm. um, or, or we did a tour in the summer that, you know, that made money. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, so, yeah. so there was mo- there was money to sort of to do stuff, and mm. I mean, it was incredibly lucky. But I mean, you can't. I mean, Emma, I I, I so admired Emma. I was so absolutely thrilled. I mean, Emma always had a kind of glow about her and a kind of sheen of confidence you know I can remember the first minute she walked into the Footlights club room to audition for Aladdin the pantomime that year and she walked in and I just thought oh fuck you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, because she just kind of was so effortlessly um confident and um and, and I think that you know, like after Cambridge, she just walked into, you know, um, me and my girl and Fortunes of War. And, mm. But then the brilliant thing was that, you know, she did all these fabulous acting roles. And then she bloody got a, an Oscar for screenwriting. Yeah, yeah incredible. Which yeah, was just, course, and, yeah. and like, you know, after yeah. all this, you know, um, Stephen and Hugh, you know, it was mm. kind of like, you know, oh, my God, you know, that Stephen and Hugh have written this one kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, and, and, you know, it was brilliant stuff. Um, but the, the, then the idea that Emma got the Oscar for screenwriting, and I was just like, yes, you it's know, amazing, so yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I love the story as well about her nearly losing the screenplay for, uh, on her computer and Stephen Fry having to go and rescue it for oh, her. Oh, really? So she, yeah, she said she that. very nearly lost it and had to call him, to, <gasps> to, which would be terrible. But yeah, I mean, I also find it fascinating that a lot of these people, I presume, weren't studying a performance course, but they went. You know, because some people like I read um, Robert Webb's autobiography and he talked about specifically going to Cambridge because he wanted to be in the footlights because he wanted to be a performer. And I kind of find that fascinating when a lot of them weren't necessarily doing any kind of performance based course, but yet had that opportunity. Oh, no. So, yeah, because um, I think Hugh, Hugh was doing archaeology and anthropology. Right. Stephen and Emma were both doing English. Um, 
But I think, uh, you know, once you, I mean, I think a lot of people went to Cambridge not just for the, uh, you know, not just for the course they were doing. I mean, I, I, mm. I trained as a drama teacher. Right. And, you know, I mean, teaching practice was, you know, very nearly a write-off because I was like writing, directing and performing in the Footlights pantomime in the same term that I was doing uh, my final teaching practice. Right. Mm. <laughs> well, wow. it seems to work out which right is not me, i mean but... you know god respect to teachers my yeah, god you know yeah. because oh that is you know you can't have an off night or an off day as no. a teacher you know you've got to be right on it all the time i'm so, i'm so admiring of brilliant teachers mm-hmm. there's this brilliant book i don't know if you've read it um but it's by um kate clanchy and it's called it's called something like some kids i taught and what they taught me or something. And mm-hmm. she was an English teacher in some um, very mixed ability schools. And she worked with the kids that were sort of chucked out of all the other lessons and the poetry they wrote. And, and she drew these kids out and she's, I mean, she's still doing it now. She posts it on Twitter. Right. Um, but she's the most, I mean, she must be the most brilliant teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I just think, my God, I just can't imagine what that's like to work with these really troubled kids, you know, and yeah. many of them sort of refugees and stuff like that, mm. um, and and draw out this poetry from them. Yeah, which yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, I've certainly got a newfound respect for teachers having done uh, a lot of homeschooling the last few months. Oh my goodness! <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, oldest is six, nearly seven. The youngest is three. So you've got one who's one who's been homeschooling, but it's been um, a daily challenge. So, you weren't grey uh, yeah. when you started, I'm were you? Sure. I wasn't grey when I started. No, no but there's definitely a, bit, yeah. a hell of a lot of grey there. Yeah, now. Not as grey as me. <laughs> the ocean chose you. <laughs> Do you think you would have been a teacher if um, if things had landed a different way, or did you always sort of did you, was it really performance or nothing for you, do you think? No, it was basically my parents saying, you know, you've got to have something to fall back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and also uh, at the time that I went to university, college, um, you couldn't get a grant to go to drama school, whereas you could get a grant. So I, I got a full grant right. um, and, um, and went to teach a training college. But my, um, my drama teacher at school, which was my art teacher, she directed the school plays, um she said oh, you must i know i was at homerton you must go to homerton marvelous you know punting on the backs and you know divine and all that and um and then i had actually as a kid my dad um who was you know quite a simple soul actually my dad he was very bright but but not um not well educated but yeah. um he loved um you know, Spike Milligan and uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, not only, but also. And, right. and then we'd, we'd watch the Pythons together. And, um, and, and, uh, and then, it, so then it sort of like, you know, it became obvious that all these people sort of had something in common. Mm, yeah. So when um, Mary Metcalf suggested that I go to, um, to Cambridge, it was like, oh, wow, all those guys went there, you mm, know? Yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, that was quite a quite a draw. Was that also a pressure? Do you think? Because particularly being the president of the Footlights, but knowing the sort of people that have passed through it already, do you do you, do you feel? Does it give you confidence to be there, or was it you know was it pressured, or was it a bit of both really? Um, I think both actually. Yeah. I think it gives you a sort of. I mean, when I look back and think of the things I did at Cambridge, I mean, like direct that review and direct or and choreograph the. Gilbert and Sullivan thing. Right, yeah. Good. How did I, you know, 
do that? I, yeah. I, I have no idea how I did it. Boss all these people around. And I was very bossy, but I was terrified as well. And, um, but you have that sort of confidence of youth, like, you know, mm. well, what's the worst that happens? I mean, now I get anxious about, you know, getting up in the morning. But then <laughs> it was sort of like, you know, oh, well, yeah, all right, I'll do that then. I'll do yeah. that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's just like anything was possible. But then I, you know, I can remember being on the phone to my mum, you know, from Cambridge, you know, crying in a phone box saying, you know, I just read the show and it is opening tomorrow. And I don't know what's going to, everybody's going to hate me and think you're rubbish, you know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it uh, I mean, I think, I, I, I think it's, I think what's hard about it is, you know, I mean, I, I, I sort of like, you know, I heard Helen Mirren on the radio going, you know, I don't like the word career, my body of work, you know, and, I, and the word <laughs> career does seem mad when, you know, yeah, yeah. things are up and down like that yeah. all the time, you know. I mean, I've, I, you know, I've done some, I've done some really nice work and I've had some really lovely times and, um, and I, I, I kind of think, you know, I look back and I think, wow, you know, that, that's amazing. Janet from Hoylake, you know, has done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, you know, you look at yourself, you, you, I can't help saying yeah but look at emma thompson right yeah but then everyone's and, uh, doing that she's presumably doing that with someone else it's just sort of the yeah. way it goes well, isn't it? yeah i mean but it's just it's such a fruitless um hmm. you know uh, quest that isn't it to kind yeah, of go yeah. you know am i am i as good as her and she and you know you're all you know we're all just doing the best we can aren't we but i think i think that is quite hard because you know every, there's so many successful people in your peer group mm. that, um, you know, if you're having a bit of a fallow um, period, uh, you sort of think, oh, you know, well, oh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the crap one then, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't feel that. I mean, actually, that whole thing of like looking back at um, what you've done and sort mm. of a, you know, a body of work and stuff, particularly at the moment, um, you kind of think, well, if it does all go tits up, I mean, mm. in general and in me and for me in particular, mm. I kind of think, you know, you've, you've had a good run here. You know, you've had a good run. You know, I'm 62. Yeah, yeah. You've had a good run, actually. And, and hopefully it, it will carry on and I'll do lots more mm. lovely stuff and go touring with Rory again and it'll all be great. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but if it doesn't, I mean, the, the people I feel sorry for are the young people like, you know, my son Alfie, who's a comedian, my son Lenny, who's a bass player. Hmm. Uh, my son Louis, who's just left Manchester University, well, actually, I think he's going to go back and do an MA because nobody in his year has got oh, a job. Really? Nobody. That's the, that's none the thing, of them. isn't it? When you're at that point where you've just started, yeah, how you, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a bit it must amazing be so actually. Hard for them. But I was thinking the other day, so it, this whole time has been like a real leveler for the entertainment industry in terms of people like like you say about comparing yourself against other people that you know and people that you've sort of grown up with and so but when everyone is out of work and everyone is suddenly going we've all got nothing it's a real it's a kind of hmm. it's interesting to look at everyone and go wow we're all in the same you really yeah. sort of feel like you don't suddenly you don't feel like there's any kind of hierarchy it's like well we're just all the same we are you know yeah. it kind of reminds you of yeah. in a positive way that reminds you that you are yeah. everyone's the same you know no one's bigger than anyone else in yeah. a sense because we're all just in that position at the moment which is yeah. horrible yeah. but um but but good is there anything is there anything particular that you haven't done that you'd like to do other than uh, talking heads again other than talking heads obviously. Yeah, yeah talking yeah. heads again <laughs> more of that mm. talking heads again and and more acting actually i mean I, I mean i i would like to do more of um like you know the sort of uh you know just touring and and doing stuff and making people laugh and that's all great but mm. i do love plays and 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 i have had 
a number of periods in my life where, particularly when you're doing impressions, you know, if, if you're doing a lot of satire, where mm. you are doing this thing, if you're being the, the watcher, the outsider, the, um, mm. uh, you know, you're sort of bringing people down and you're pricking pomposity and yeah. uh, all that, you sometimes think, oh, I just want to, I just want to be the one that's in it. You know, I want to mm. sort of immerse myself in some beautiful language and a lovely story and and somebody else's kind of um, world, mm. you know, yeah, which yeah. is sort of what acting gives you. Yeah, yeah. And that is such a thrill. And and even like, you know, with, with Alan Bennett, where the world you're, you know, um, immersing yourself in is a, uh, you know, a poor old lady in a front room, you know, kind of... Mm. Uh, uh, seeing the worst in everybody mm -hmm. but then you know the the brilliant redemption at the end of that um lady of letters the one that imelda staunton did um mm -hmm. you know the, that fabulous redemption where the woman who who is was so unforgiving of everybody and found you know saw the worst in everyone and mm -hmm. was such a horrible busybody and um you know force of negativity suddenly um you know at the end is, is in prison mm -hmm. and suddenly finds this ability to forgive and love and um, uh, and give out to people. And it's such a sort of gorgeous arc of, mm. um, of redemption and forgiveness. And, uh, you know, because he's so funny, Alan Bennett, but, you know, there's a hell of a lot more to it than that. Yeah. And he, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is a masterwork, those talking. I mean, some of mm. them are better than others, but, but um, some of them, it's just, and the rhythms of them, oh my God, the mm. jokes, it's just amazing. It's like I'm a big fan of Gordon and Simpson and Hancock's Half Hour, and they're so oh, perfectly yeah. written. That I was talking to Kevin Eldon yeah. about it because he did the the you know the, the remakes of the Lost yeah. episodes, and I said, you know, is it hard to do? And he said, well, no, because you just read the line and the rhythm does it for you because it's so well written, yeah. you know, which is amazing. Yes, it's funny actually watching the um, watching uh, Imelda Staunton and Harriet Walter doing the monologues that I did. And there are some some of the things you know that they they make different choices and do different things. But are, but there are some of those lines that you know, like you say, hmm. there's just a way to do that line, and the yeah, rhythm yeah. is there for you, and that's that's the way you do it. Hmm. And uh, it's uh, yeah, it's lovely. Do you think um, performing has kept you young and, and, and active in in mind? Because I, I love that you know what you're saying about what you want to do next and the good body of work you've done. But people in the real world might be considering retiring you know and we don't really do that you just sort of you know but do you think I, I don't know if it's a silly question because I, I you know I know it's also a stressful job to work in but do you think it's kept your energy going your brain firing you know yeah absolutely and and also I think um having um Alfie uh my son you know in comedy and kind yeah. of meeting so many you know and being involved in him and and um his girlfriend Jessie Jessie Cave, who's also incredibly creative and a sort of talented writer and performer. Um, and, you know, being in Edinburgh with them and hanging mm. out, it's sort of like, mm. wow, you know, this is yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's, and, and I mean, when Alfie was two, I was doing Alexi Sales stuff uh, right. on the BBC. And, um, and Alexi had this, uh, um, the sort of SIG tune, was like was like um, Alexi doing like the Mickey Mouse Club. So it was a like, who's the leader of the gang that's great for you and me? A L E X E I S A Y L E. And um, <laughs> so it was like who's an ugly bastard and as fat as he can be? You know? <laughs> it was, all, yeah. it was um, so Alfie watched Alexi say, and lots of the sketches were very bizarre and quite visual. 
So he loved it. Mm. I mean, it was, you know, it was very rude. So yeah. it's not surprising Alfie's turned out the way he has. <laughs> um, but a lot of it, you know, very rude. But, you know, I didn't give a shit about that. And, and it was, mm. and he loved it. And so, you know, Alexi would come to a party and it would mm. be like Mickey Mouse had turned out. You know, Alfie was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, right from the beginning, he was, you know, in that world, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, not all the time, but you know, it was like that. That world was was part of his growing up, and um, I mean, the, you know, next son went the other way. You know, he became a he, he became you know the silent bass player, uh, the back of the band, and um, and Alfie's like you know. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it front. hard having children in the same sort of business that you're in? Is, Just at the moment. Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> but. yeah. But like yeah. the, con- the concern of the things you might have experienced that weren't so good and how it will be for them. And like you say, at the moment, particularly. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. It is. Um, and it's... Um, but then again, I, I was never one of those, like... I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I live in West London and there were, you know, there are a lot of um, parents who seem to think that there's a, you know, that there's a God-given right that they're... Because they're middle class, their kids will go to university. Hmm. And I kind of always, you know, I've got friends who sort of go, oh dear, you know, she's really not good at, you know, I don't know what she's going to do, you know, I don't know how many A-levels she's going to be able to take. And I think maybe she shouldn't take any A-levels. Maybe, yeah, yeah. you know, school's not for her. And, mm. you know, school wasn't for Alfie, was, wasn't interested. And he's incredibly bright. And now he writes all these philosophical rants and, you know, all this kind of thing. But school just didn't work yeah, yeah. and it doesn't yeah. work for some kids it's you know it's it's school is very much geared apart from you know very um rare examples school is geared to sort of basically one kind of child that is yeah. able to sort of take stuff in and regurgitate it out again hmm. yeah. and um and if you can't do that or you sort of choose not to do that then um it doesn't work for you yeah, yeah. and i think it's you know, it's such a shame that, you know, and that's, you know, you hear of all these, all sorts of people who were, oh, I was dyslexic and now look at me, I'm Richard Branson. Maybe that's not such a good example. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it's it's not always the case that just because you're successful at school, you'll be, you know, successful yeah. um, at life. And um, yeah. so I think, you know, they had to, you know, I was always of the opinion that they had to do what they wanted to do hmm. yeah. and uh, follow their star kind of thing. And, um and they have, and you know, and we'll be all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We're, we're, we'll all be all right, you know, and we'll see each other through, kind of thing, whatever it takes during this time. Um, mm. But my my youngest son, Louis, the one that's come out of Manchester, he was doing politics, so he's been doing all these, you know, like um, dissertations on, you know, voting behavior and data collection and all this. So it's like, right. you know. Oh my God, you know, so I've got yeah. one of these children now, you know, this is like one of these children that, you know, does proper stuff yeah. and, uh, you know, proofreading his dissertation for him. I was like, oh, hello, this is new. This is new. And um, yeah, so, I mean, that'll be interesting to see how that pans out because he also does like DJing and production and stuff like that. Wow, that's, quite, sort of... that's quite extreme from one. Yeah. Yeah. But, and so he, he does, you know, he does... Um, he, he does he does have a creative side but uh i think he's quite pragmatic right yeah as well i, sp- so I, I, I suppose um i mean i mean my kids are a little bit young to sort of think about it yet but my kind of my <laughs> yeah. kind of my kind of thought <laughs> yeah. is in terms of career i'm always thinking as long as i know my mum and dad said this to me but as long as you have a sort of you want have got a goal and what you want to do it's better to have that and be sort of you know to, to be to be certain about what you want to do 
is is better than just going to university because that's what you should do. It's be, it's kind of be, I'd, I'd much rather my children had a path. You know, there's a weird pressure to know what you want to do at a specific time because I think yeah. when you're at well, school, it's hard right. to yeah. know that. Yeah. And like people like us, I think, because, you know, you wanted to be a performer. You always knew yeah. you wanted to do that. So you exactly. had that thing you wanted to follow. But yeah, lots of people. I mean, why, why would you specifically know at 17 or 18 or 19 yeah. or whatever? You wouldn't. But, but I think if you do, then, then, then that's great. Yeah. great. You know, it's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the thing. I think the thing that people, um, you know, there's that, that's that whole thing of um, like, the, like the generation of parents that I am, hmm. you know, our parents were all like, Nobody's looking at you, you know. Don't get <laughs> yeah. too big for your boots. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas my 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 parenting is like, oh, darling, that's wonderful. You've done so well. That's beautiful. Good for you. And um, they're now saying that you know we've gone too far that way, and mm. that it's not a good thing to say you're wonderful all the time. But the thing is to apparently to not praise the result, but praise the effort to say, right. I'm really pleased you worked really hard at that. You know, good good for you. You know, you've really put a lot of effort in. Well done. Um, because if you just sort of say everything's brilliant when it's mm. not really, yeah, yeah, you're giving yeah. them a false idea of the world. I guess it's just being truthful and honest, but in, in a nice yeah. way rather than yeah. because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's got to be from the heart, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or sometimes, yeah. sometimes not truthful, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm the one that's not a parent, not. so I don't, don't know what I'm oh, talking okay. about. Um, but you're learning so many lessons here. This is oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch Gwen do it all wrong, and then I go, okay, yeah. that's, yeah. that's the way um, to do yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. You know that poem, they fuck you up, your mum and dad. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I sort of find that really comforting. Right. Because it's like, you know, they may not mean to, but they do. They yeah. fill you with the faults they had and then some others just for you. It's like, yeah. we're all fucking it up. Yeah. You know, and like my parents fucked it up one way. I fucked it up another way. And my kids, well, you know, and Alfie's got, you know, two and another one on the way. So, I mean, right. he's busy doing it his way now. So, you know, we we just, but we're all well-intentioned, you know, yeah. Yeah. We're, exactly. we're loving, but but we're bound to do things wrong. Parenting's a very complicated business. Yeah. And you yeah, go into it, it with no experience. You just have to sort yeah. of work yeah. your way out of it, which is, yeah. Uh, we've yeah. got a message again from Joseph, who's the only one, only one giving his messages tonight. She says, retiring, our generation will never retire, at least not the creative ones. So there you go. That's no, it. that's true. That's very true, Joseph. Yeah, it's like, why would you want to when you're having such fun? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I can't, it's yeah. not a thing I would ever really, well, I mean, obviously I'm not at that point yet, but consider, I don't, you know, unless... You'd always, follow, I always want to follow my heart and do what I want to do and be creative and be involved. You know, it's even like things like this because you know you're doing these sort of things. It's not like it brings in a massive income, but you do it because you want yeah. to do yeah. it. You want to yeah. sort of talk to people. You want to get that out for other people as well. So yeah, yeah it's, I, yeah. I can't. I don't, I don't think I'm really working to retire. If you know what I mean, is this working? No, I'm not really sure. No, I don't know. no, yeah. because but that's that's because you have the huge privilege of. Um, of enjoying your work yeah, yeah, yeah i mean true. that is such That's a privilege because a lot yeah. a lot of people you know they they well i've got to you know i've got to sort of you know i've got to earn some money i've got to earn a living i've got to keep my family yeah so i've got to do this job and it's you know it's a bit boring and a bit shitty but you know mm. I, i'll do that and then i'll kind of you know relax at the weekend and go fishing or you know mm. whatever yeah. i do um and um and, and you know, so if you if you are in that privileged position of enjoying what you do and able to earn a living at it, then mm. why would you want to stop? And yeah. It, yeah, it keeps you you know keeps your brain going. Mm. I mean, my um, you know my mum and lots of 
uh, my relatives um, had dementia. Right. So you know, the longest I can, the longer I can keep my brain going, the better. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got, to, I've got to cherish every day. I've got these brain cells. Yeah, well, yeah. and it's that thing that they say, and it's much better to to be doing different things every day. To be that's really good for your brain. These are the things that help you continue. But yeah, that's, yeah. Um, when I'm when I'm not putting a wash on and watching Escape to the Country, <laughs> which is I'm basically life now. Using all my brain cells. Yeah, yeah. I honestly have never done so much washing. I feel like I'm doing it every day, and it's yeah. <laughs> It's all, all I really do. I think it's, yeah, it's washing, yeah. cooking, that's the things. Yeah. I love washing. There's, there's nothing There's nothing lovelier than the smell of fresh laundry. Are you an ironer or do you leave, do you not do that? I, do, I, do, I don't mind ironing. Yeah. I don't mind ironing. Because my wife doesn't and, and I do. That's where we differ. Really? But, but, oh, but she sort of gets away with it. I, I You know, I, I kind of have to iron things to make myself look the best version of me, whereas she just I just I do it on certain days. So. If I'm yeah. going out, I'd iron something, but yeah. otherwise it's an effort, isn't it? I don't know why yeah, we got it's to quite iron. Quite nice though. It's nice, you know, it's something very, um, you know, you put the iron on and it looks yeah. instantly better. I mean, it's yeah. it's very sort of um, instant gratification. Really, it's sort of a mindfulness thing as well, isn't it? You just enjoy doing a thing for the sake of doing it. Very yes. good, yes, yes David. Yes. Very mindful. Be in brain. the moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Um, but we sh- we should really let you go because we've been talking yeah. for for a long time. But thank you so much, Jan. It's been lovely. Have I done enough? Have I, have I been? Have I have I done enough funny bits? I feel I haven't. Um, has it all been all? No, but I, I it's a joy to just hear you talk. It doesn't it have is, to be yeah. funny, and there've been plenty of funny things. Don't yeah. I, I think there's a misconception. I mean, it, our club is called mostly comedy for a kickoff, so it doesn't yeah. have to be. Not all comedy. It's the get out. Yeah. It's the get out clause. That's what yeah. we have. Yeah, it's always disclaimer. Been out. Yeah, uh, and. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot to mention we share the same birthday. Yeah, we you, do. Oh, me, do we? All of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All of us. All of us. Yeah, yeah. Fourteenth yeah. of May. Fourteenth of May. Yeah. It's weird. Which Koreans. I think Eric Morecambe, Eric Morecambe's birthday as well, I believe. Um, <gasps> yes. So we're in good company. I would say, uh, yeah, d- typical Tory and earthy, passionate, and prone to run to fat. <laughs> and, on, and on that bombshell, <laughs> I like that. Should... <laughs> oh look. Pete Haynes says, great to listen to you, Jan. That's oh. nice. Oh, that's Thank nice. you, Pete. He's lovely. He's that's a big Mercy nice. Comedy supporter. He comes to all of the gigs. He's, oh, he's one, of our, oh. yeah, one of our Thank you, people. Pete. Well, hopefully we'll see Pete in real life yes. before too long. Yeah, please come back to Mostly Comedy when we when we can, when we can oh, do I'd that thing. To. That would be, that'd be yeah, great yeah. to have you back. And in yeah, the meantime, I'd love to. And in the meantime, stay well, you know, enjoy yeah. your time. Thank you for watching, everybody. Thank yeah, you for thank joining you. in. It's all great to join in. Thank you, Jan. Take care. We'll see you soon. Thank you. very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that was Jan Ravens. Yes, it was. Yes. And while yeah. it was a lovely chat, I am slightly disappointed that she didn't remember being an uncredited goblin in Labyrinth because that was all well, we booked it. for, really. And and it? now I'm slightly doubting everything I ever read on Wikipedia once again. And obviously yeah. you could never believe everything. It's, you read yeah, it's on almost like but... people lie on it. Well, you know. Although you to be fair, we... it wasn't Wikipedia, Glenn. It was IMDb. So oh, of course, yeah, you had it on that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but wow. now I'm going to have to listen to all the goblins in Labyrinth to see if I can place. One that sounds like Jam Ravens, which is hard because she obviously can do lots of different voices. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a tricky one to do, and to isolate them individually as well. I mean, you'd have to kind of get some sort of a lot of work software that d- divides all the voices up because um, there's a lot of goblins in Labyrinth. Yeah, the trouble is we had to scrap a whole, like you said, a whole page of questions of yeah. you know, uh, was she also the hands when um, yeah. she, you know, Sarah fell down all those hands and she gets to do that. Did she see David Bowie in those trousers? You know, yeah, um, yeah. Was she was she perhaps inside the trousers? Perhaps that was what that. That was, it. yeah. And also, yeah. did she meet Hoggle? That's what I wanted to know. Did you yeah, meet Hoggle? Yeah, big question. 
Um, but no, all of that was scrapped. I had to, you know, it's yeah. also a waste of paper as well. So it's very what, disappointing. What we, have to, we, what we just have to do now is we have to find someone who was in the labyrinth, uh, <laughs> however small a part they played, just yeah. so we can just so we can use those questions. I'm know. trying. I'm trying to think of anyone that in any way. Danny John Jules is probably the closest we can get because I know he was a voice in it, and obviously we've had various Red Dwarf people. That's true. Yeah. Outside yeah. of that, I, I'm stuck. What was um, the big? Sarah Friend thing. Who was, who was the guy? You know, do you know what we could do? Is we could Sorry, find by the, the way, guy. we've gone off subjects. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could find the guy or the girl. I can't remember who it was a woman. It might have been a woman who who did the uh, who was David Bowie's hands. Oh, with the ball uh, doing the ball doing the balls because that wasn't his hands. That was someone else's hands. So yeah. find that person because that would be an interesting. What, what was he doing with his hands? Yeah, what was he doing? And what what's he done since? You know, what's he done since that ball? Well, he's dead. To be did. fair, so <laughs> yeah. not a lot recently. But I, I, no. I think it's fair to say that while Labyrinth is a good film, it, it's not the high point of David Bowie's career. He did many, many other things. No. To be fair, no. Uh, maybe no. we could find the CGI'd owl at the beginning. Do you remember that in the credits? That was there a CGI'd owl? Yeah, in the, in the CGI credits. In that film? Well, I say wow. CGI is <laughs> like Sinclair Spectrum plus two graphics oh. of a, anyway. Oh, sorry, yeah. back yeah. to Jan Ravens. Well, we we had a lovely chat uh, as you as yeah, you heard. And as we sort of mentioned at the beginning, I mean, you know, it's not just about this because her in, her, in herself, she's a, a great performer, has done some wonderful things, but all the people she's worked with, I mean, it just, you know, and I was yeah. also thinking about, um, you know, she, when she directed stuff, I could see her being a good director because she's a very good communicator. She explains things in a very sort of energised way. Yes. So you could, you could, yeah, I can imagine does. her. But, you know, you're directing a cast, which is Fry and Laurie, for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, Emma yeah. Thompson, Tony Slattery. Yeah. Ridiculous, you know. Um, it's I'm, incredible. Is it just a... Fan, I mean, then I suppose it's hard when you're in that situation, and it's not to speak for her, but I imagine you don't really... You, you never really compute no. that that's the situation you're in because you're just... That's just your people you know. It's just yeah, your yeah. friends. And obviously and you're, you are all at that, that particular moment at that point. And obviously mm. as years go on, like she said about Emma Thompson um, and looking at her career, but at the time... And I suppose even now it must be difficult to kind of really look mm. at those people and go, they are who they are because you just know them as yeah. people. And that was the thing know, I was so sort of, I mean, didn't really have a question, but sort of trying to ask, you know, were you aware at the time? Because there's a weird thing mm. when, you know, you're surrounded by talented people, you've done the thing that a lot of people have done, you're in the footlights, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's a weird, is it a pressure, is it not a pressure when you're in the midst of that? And I suppose the answer is, like she said, they were young. And when you're young, you yeah. have a different level of confidence in what you're doing that, you know, as you get a little bit older, you, you get a little bit more cautious, I think. You know, you over, that, overthink, perhaps. Does that mean does that mean we're now older then? Because that's the way we're I definitely am, old. So. We're definitely older, Glim. <laughs> we're we're yeah. like the phrase pushing forty is now is now in the air. Um you really? know, it's not and that's not old. Well, you know, I'm I'm forty next year. You're no, forty. Is that, is that it? Pushing forty yeah, I suppose. Well, pu- yeah, push, we, we you're pushing really you're heading pushing, towards it. Yeah, we've been pushing yeah. forty for fucking years. So to I be know. fair, that's the sad, isn't it? I know I always say it, but you know, John Lennon died when he was forty. What have we Don't. done? What have we done, exactly. Glenn? You know, if I get shot tomorrow, well, it's unlikely. Not in the village I live in, but um, but it could <laughs> it could happen. Poachers, could happen. poachers, maybe. Anyway, yeah. um, yeah, that was that was lovely chat with uh, with Jan. It was really nice to see her again, and I look forward to when we can have her back at the club. Um, when we can even have a club would be nice. Yeah. We do, because we do, in case anyone who's listening isn't aware, we do run a comedy club and it's called Mostly Comedy and it runs in Hitchin in Hertfordshire for anyone who might be listening in a different country, yeah, uh, in a different part of the world maybe, who knows, because there's a podcast and it can go anywhere, so it's great. It could um, go but as yeah, we far do. as 
Bulldog and Letchworth. Exactly. This is what we're hoping for. If yeah. we can break Bulldog, then we know we've... We, we've we need to get into the Bedfordshire market. That's what we need. This is it. Yeah. Instant it's all very Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire-centric, isn't it? So it is. Push, push a bit further out. But yeah, do um, do come join us if you happen to be in the local area when mm. we start. But all the details of Mostly Comedy and future gigs will be on mostlycomedy.co.uk on our website, as are all the details of this podcast and previous and future podcasts yeah and, and as we've said before i feel like you know i mean for one i think we're sort of we feel like we're getting into a bit of a rhythm with this now because obviously we never intended on doing these podcasts in this way through zoom no. as we're doing it and now we've done i don't know how many we've done about five or six i think and we've got about another yeah. seven <laughs> to come um <laughs> so far but yeah i don't know i mean it, it is a really good opportunity to talk to these people that we probably wouldn't have had like you said uh, at the beginning i believe or maybe that was before yeah. the recording but you know we wouldn't have had this sort of opportunity um and it's really valuable i think it's great to have a chat yeah. with these people um it is and like you said actually the thing about being a leveler everything about the situation which you know hopefully people are listening to this beyond the situation where hopefully it's got more positive yeah and it's not yeah. like a barren Mad Max landscape where we've all got mullets mm. and we're all fighting. Um, yeah, but I've um, got a mullet. I've got a mullet at the moment, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, um, mine, mine is as well. Yeah, it's, it's going to come back. But yeah, um, but we are all in a in an unprecedented situation, and it means that it sort of pushes us all together. I think a bit, and therefore, it does. having these chats with these people sort of adds to that. I think is like a sort of community thing, isn't it? It's getting. Yeah, is like you say a leveler. We're all in the same position, and uh, we're trying to get through it, but in a good way, I think. Yes, if that makes absolutely. sense. Yeah, I don't definitely. Know. So, um, yeah, no, we are, um, and if you are listening to this when we're out of this, um, please, I don't send, know what you can do. I was going to say, well, send, send us a send psychic us a, message. Can you? Can you? Yeah, can you go in a time machine, get a DeLorean, and come back to two thousand and twenty, and specifically yeah. find Glenn and David? We're in Hertfordshire, and tell yeah. us. How we get out of this? Because it'd be very How useful right now. And and also with, when when we're likely to be doing it live again? Because obviously that would be key. Yeah, and we'd really like to know. I almost can't that, imagine it at the moment. I just I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't. It's very strange at the moment, isn't it? But yeah. but you know, this is the next best thing, and we'll keep doing this as long as we can. Um, <laughs> it's got slower and slower and then yeah i'll, I'll, yeah. I'll edit that so it was really zippy yeah. and, but, <laughs> make it sound like i've got more faith in what i'm saying um, that'd be great i'll get an actor in to dub it um but can, yeah, yeah no it is a great thing and it was nice to have you with us for this episode um yes hopefully listen to the other ones and join us again soon for another interview with someone new uh, absolutely in the meantime stay safe um Enjoy that drink and your legs back or whatever. I don't know what I was talking about. Head, head back, legs up, legs up, head back. I don't know. Is that the... It's like some sort of hokey-cokey. Knees bent, yeah. arms stretched. I don't <laughs> know. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Rah, rah, um, But yeah, um, on, that, on that note, uh, goodbye. Uh, Bye. Slightly uh, weird ending to the pod- podcast, but what the hell? You haven't paid for yeah. it. See you soon.